Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. So let me get this straight: the pitcher makes 36 billion, the outfielder wants 300 million over a series of years, and you've lost four out of five. Does he maybe ought to retool the team? And <laughs> eh, not yet. But you sure? it's time I mean, to get back on that track after a little skid here. I mean, no offense, they aren't playing the Dodgers. All right, so come on. Just check it. Have you played the Astros yet? No, that won't come until the end yeah. of next month. Uh, twins? That They have, and they've beaten them fairly soundly, and they got them coming up in the next two weeks, I believe. Oh, good. Yeah, it's at least the team playing 600 ball. I mean, all these teams are playing the 300s. Or the, it looks like that's the schedule so far. It's embarrassing. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's uh, get to our play-by-play call of the day. The 1-2. Goldschmidt hits it out to left, and this will do it. And he does it in grand style. It's a grand slammer. A walk-off grand slam. Goldie, the walk-off grand slam. Now that's a professional hitter right there, Paul Goldschmidt. The real pro. Real pro. Yeah. But you know, he's been to as many World Series as uh, Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton. All right. No? Did I get that wrong? Is that incorrect? But he's been in the league much longer than those two. Yeah, he's been with Arizona and St. Louis. Not exactly the same payrolls. All right, so let's... uh, (laughs) You can buy anybody you want and still can't make it. All right. When's the last time you guys won the World Series? It's been a while, right? Okay. Um, Let's bring in uh, Neil Kulong. This is going to be fascinating. Neil, always a pleasure. Great to have you with us. Yes, indeed. As always, thanks for having me. I hope you guys are well. I am well, and it's uh, always great when you're on the show. Uh, so the Steelers' uh, six GM candidates have now completed the second round of interviews, and I think now it's time to, to make a decision. Um, Omar Khan, I think, is in the cl- is the clubhouse leader, but it's just me. So let's go back one week ago, if that to some comments that Doug Whaley made about my broadcast partner, Jack Cam, as a player. We're in, and again, this is not personal at all. My, my understanding is everybody knows Doug Whaley likes him. He's an upper St. Clair guy. Whole thing. And he said that, you know, Jack played 210, 215. He'd be a backup special teams player today in today's game. And Jack, you know, of course, knowing him as well as I do, he played at 228. Neil, here's my issue. This is what eliminates him 
to me from being a serious candidate for the job when he makes a comment like that. Not because it's Jack. Zero. But that tells me he's all about measurables and about combines and things like that and can't and and doesn't have a feel for guys who know how to play and can use their mind as well as their body to play the game. What what's your opinion on that? I say it, it, I think it's excellent that you asked that question. I, I have a lot to say about this. There, there's a lot to unpack with the comments. And, and my, I, I I thought something similar, but I'll admit my knee jerk reaction was, you finished or are finishing your second interview for the head guy position with a team and you went out of your way to insult one of its greatest legends what what sense do you have of of anything if that's what you're doing i this is just me maybe this is just more of an older school uh business and management background you you really have nothing to gain from doing things in, in, in some instances. If that's the case, the fact that you can't help yourself but to, to dunk on somebody, to throw out the big zinger, to try to, to generate your own hype, to me, that's not becoming of, of the person in charge. I, I really don't like that. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think what he says is factually incorrect. I do think, though, that you're leaving out a lot of things. Human beings weren't even that big back then. This is all evolution. Of course, he, Jack Ham from 1974 would not come in and play today. I don't think anybody would. I, it's just not possible. And, and conversely, if you put Aaron Donald back into to the NFL in 1974, he'd literally kill people. It, this is the, it, it's the evolution of health, nutrition, fitness, all of that, of course they're, they're bigger, better, faster. That's because of Jackham. Why would you... Comments like that are just... They're, they're so completely asinine in my mind. That said, yes, I agree. You are essentially saying... And he even gave a range of weight that I, I laughed when you said it. Yeah, he didn't play at 210. What are you nuts? He played, no, he played no. at 228. So, so you don't even know... <laughs> You don't even know what you're what you're saying. You're you're not prepared to have the conversation. Is really what I would say. There there are so many things that you'd need to go over if you really wanted to get into that debate. And Jack Ham is absolutely not the guy that, that you should use for that. Jack Ham was evolutionary in a lot of ways for the NFL. He wasn't the the big hulking run stop only guy. I mean, he really was was more of a look at the future at, at like a, a pure will linebacker a tampa two mm-hmm. kind of linebacker which is really the system that they created he was the model of that yep. lance briggs is is a jack ham junior lance briggs was not a, a big nfl linebacker it's how you play him now what doug whaley is saying it, to your point which i i agree with a thousand percent you simplified it far better than i did is we would we will not vary what we're doing based on the personnel of what we have. And that, that that's the last thing I want to hear from the general manager. You cannot play in the NFL today without 
50 different versions of every player that you have on your roster, on the practice squad, and on call to stay in shape in case they're needed. You have to have versatility. And clearly the Steelers have, have prided themselves and emphasized that point over the last 10 years. You look at the players that they've brought in, they haven't been physical marvels for the most part. They're athletic freaks, which I, you know, yeah. to, to whatever degree you want to say Jack Ham was an athletic freak, I think the dude was above average athletically, to put it mildly. He was he was running with running backs. He was running with receivers. The guy could cover a lot of ground. That was very difficult to stop at a time in the NFL where things were much more um, in, vertical and inside. It's a lot harder for a linebacker to make those kinds of reads, which gets to your point as far as the, the mental acuity goes, which has nothing to do with your weight. Not to suggest that some tiny guy can come in because he's the smartest football player in the world. But no, no. I, I, it, 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 let's put him at 228. It's plain and simple. He's not that much smaller than your average NFL linebacker today, right. period. And on top of that, he's not walking around in, in clouded in a society of smoke drinking whiskey and water for breakfast these type of not, not suggest jack ham did that but that was what was all around everybody back then it, it is far more healthy of a society today than it was that's making people bigger stronger faster mm-hmm. right. athletes have far more access to training technology has improved in 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 immeasurable ways compared to what it was back then they they have training camp where they actually do more than just you know bash each other during oklahoma drills you know it it, everything has evolved it's just it's a nonsense argument and the fact that he said that to me i i wouldn't want that that's just me i'm not i'm not gonna get into his his credentials or anything like that today but it, it, to me, you, you can't say that. If you were in the running for a job like that, you can't say that. I, I just, I wouldn't, no. I, I don't know what else he's going to say. He doesn't even have the job, and he's mouthing off about it, 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 important issues uh, that pertain to the job he's trying to get, as well as uh, largely sitting off base of what he's even trying to say to begin with. Yeah. So, no, no thanks. Uh, it's interesting because when I talk about the mind, Part of the job of a linebacker, even in today's game, is you have to understand the proper depth of a drop. How do you get yourself into a spot where if you're not the guy making the play, they're trying to throw the ball over you, which then makes life for the safety or the corner exponentially easier. See, he knows all that stuff. right? That's playing with your mind. That's understanding how to play the game as opposed to being, you know, the you know hit the button and the athletic robot just starts sprinting all over the place. That's not it's which is, it, okay. which is all up to the general manager right. too. That that's the general right. manager's and, job. Right, and that's the GM's you job. You go see, there. See, and that's you know, and that's that's the problem I've got with it. And that's why I always laugh. You know, in a game where the ball is thrown all over the place, and Jalen Ramsey is justifiably uh, lauded as one of the top corners in today's game, and that's justifiable. He's got 15 picks in his career. Jack has thirty had thirty two. Most ever for a linebacker. Yeah. With okay. With guess what? They weren't throwing as often. He still had thirty two. Yeah, and, and they didn't throw. Keep that in mind. I mean yeah. he picked off the ball at an insanely high rate. Yeah. I mean, if we're gonna put it yeah. into if we're gonna put it into to, to modern statistics. Yeah. It, the, the the rating against Jack Ham, the interceptions to targets for Jack Ham would be astronomically exactly. high. Exactly. 
you know, and there, there's a lot to say about the ball. There's a lot to say about the quarterbacks, the the, the training, everything comes right. with that. But, all, but you know what? Like, rubber meets the road. Like Joe, when they threw at him, he took it away. Joe Green, <laughs> Joe Green played at two seventy five. Yeah, exactly. Okay, in that's, today's that's, that's game, side point to all this. In today's game, Joe Green would be playing at three. 300 to 310 because he would have put himself in physical shape to play at 300 yeah. to 310. <laughs> and he still would have been a great thing. player. Here's what, to, to me, this is what makes the entire point asinine. We have no idea what Joe Green would be like plus 25 pounds. Yeah. I'm pretty sure I know what Joe Green is going to say about that. I know what his peers back then would say about it. Yep. It's 25 pounds, though. That's a lot of weight. Sure it is. And to put that on the right way takes a lot. And frankly, I, I don't have confidence that they knew how to do that back then. No. I really think that, they, I agree with that. that guys just ate and stopped working out. Yeah. That's how they put on weight. <laughs> Joe Green was right. incredibly quick. He was incredibly mm-hmm. violent with his hand yes, usage. He was. I don't think he would have been washed out of, of today's NFL. I think he would have needed, if, if he had today's technology, probably would have been able to put on 15 pounds reasonably well and he'd be among the smallest interior sure. linemen in the league yep so from there then if you're probably looking at a, a tweener type of position for him he's going to be a pass rusher and he, he probably can do that pretty well he, one-on-one but <laughs> really bottom line is yeah. joe green did not play today's game Right. 15 years ago, those guys didn't play today's game. Right. This game has evolved so much. I just it, It's pointless to me to try to say who could play then, who could play now. It, right. It's a good argument. I just think it, it boils down to a sense of toughness and competitiveness. And if you're going to go with that, I'm not betting against Jack Ham. I'm not betting against Joe Green. No. If you want to go public in Pittsburgh saying that while you're on the line to be the general manager of the team – God bless you. Well, I, you. I don't know what else to tell you. But, well, wow. What's bad is he volunteered that. It was bad is he volunteered it. He wasn't asked it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's what makes I, it worse. Okay. So complete lack of judgment. I, I, I I'm not I'm not hiring a guy and paying him millions of dollars to steer a multi tens hundreds of millions of dollars business if that's what he's doing. Again, my my point is if you're a GM, and on the NBA level. Calvin Booth is now in charge of what's going on in Denver because Tim Conley took the T-Wolves job. Right. Go Wolves. Yeah. Um, and to me, part of evaluating personnel, and it's not what I do for a living. I announce games. All right? But part of it has to be you've got to look at, in other words, a guy that knows how to play but runs a five-flat 40, he's not going to be in the NFL. But no. when you're making decisions about guys who are like, okay, he's four four three and he's four four six, and he went right now, you got to figure out who knows how to play, yeah. right? Because that's one of the biggest problems I have with today's NFL. To me, with the biggest problem with today's NFL is there aren't that many people that know how to play, even though they're better conditioned and better athletes. The ones that are that know how to play, that's why they like an Aaron Donald. Sticks out like by a mile. He's a great athlete who also knows how to play. That's why Aaron Donald. You, you get so many more individual accolades today. And let's take the quarterback position out completely because that that's just that's another world. But Donald is a good example. Uh, before that, it was J.J. Watt. Why are these guys doing things that 
Lawrence Taylor didn't do, Joe Green didn't do. It's because they don't have peers. Right. They are the best of the best because they put the work in and they're great athletes. Now that makes them peers with the the old school dominant players. But my thought is, relatively speaking, um, if we take let's let's go back over. I'm going to get the time frame here wrong. Call it 15 years. Would would 15 years encapsulate the Donald and and JJ Watt era of of defensive dominance? Yeah, fair enough. Yep. Those two put them one and two in in some degree over that time period. Mm -hmm. I don't think, say, number five on that list is as good as number five was back in the 70s. -hmm. And I think that is largely because um, in in the the craze of HWS, the the height-weight speed Mm -hmm. uh, evaluation method, which is really what you're describing, we want traits, we'll teach you how to play the game. Athletes are, uh, they're, they're training themselves for that. Yeah. They can get bigger. They can't get taller, but they can get faster. They can get stronger. They can make themselves functionally better athletes. And in the time they're doing that, the thought is, well, you're becoming a better football player. Not necessarily. I mean, you yeah. could, but it, it's they really are kind of two separate skills that, that happen with that. Um, I think Donald is a great example of that. Um, Donald posts a lot of his workout stuff on, on Instagram. He's not quite James Harrison prolific in that regard, but <laughs> nobody what is. you see from Donald is not the craziest, you know, squat lift that, that Harrison right. does, which is entertaining. Don't get me wrong. I'm not yeah. trying to rip James Harrison, right. but Donald, you see him working with his hands. You see him working on his footwork. He, he's applying real technique to the game. He's not going out there and just trying to, to bench cars He's getting better as a player, and you see it. You see how incredibly quick he is. It's not me and Joe just clubbed a dude in the side of the head. He just he outmanned the guy yeah. more than anything else. Right. Not that he didn't have technique, but Green had that that brawn. He could just destroy you. It's not that Donald can't, but Donald also can can go from that you know crazed physical specimen into the fastest guy in the field in one movement. Yeah. And it's utterly insane because I, I don't think he has a peer, to be honest with you. I, I think he very well could retire the, the greatest defensive player in the history of the game. I, he, he's at that level because he's got an enormous amount of skill to go with uh, a, a, an obvious commitment and right. dedication to the, the fitness level that he has, the conditioning that he has, and the he, strength and coordination that he has. And he knows angles. See that's see yeah, this is what I'm talking about. When you get when you get somebody who's got the mind and the instincts to go with what you're talking about, that's when you become really special. You know, JJ Watt was really special because he understood angles, how to get yep. to a point, how to beat somebody off the line of scrimmage because of the route I'm taking. Or instead of one, you know, some guys have a counter move. JJ Watt had Two primary moves and had a counter off of each. That's four. And he can play two positions too. Yes. Keep that in mind. He came from yeah. two different spots. You know, Watt. Watt was, in my opinion, this, this has probably since changed. But JJ Watt was the the best defensive player I ever saw consistently. Donald is probably better than that now. Um, Watt got hurt and that cut into his prime a bit. But yeah. between the two of them, they really don't have much of a, a historical peer. But you know where this argument is best laid out, my opinion, is the cornerback position. Now, I won't turn this into a business decision argument about Deion Sanders or anything like that, mm-hmm. but 
you watch today in a, a, a highly, highly emphasized pro-offense era, it is far harder to defend players today than it was. Mel Blunt wouldn't have been able to do anything in, in today's rules. Um, watch <laughs> Lester Hayes and, and, yeah. and yeah. all those I mean, guys. Mike Haynes. He doesn't have a chance. He's like I an mean, octopus. He, what, just, what, he, he suffocated what, everybody. What, what do you mean I can't touch him after five yards? <laughs> five yards. <laughs> Bullying them. Yes. And he's, he's going half speed. And they're giving it their all. They look like yeah. they're in the last 15 yeah. meters at the Olympics. And <laughs> Blunt is just stiff-arming the guy out of the way. All right, you're tired. Time for you to go. But for me, the third on this list, and I think it's the most compelling argument to make, is Darrell Revis. If you watch Revis, he had, to your point about counters, he had a response to anything that you could give him on the field. He was the best defensive back all around that I saw. And, yes, that's sacrilegious considering uh, I I watched Troy Polamalu in his prime. Mm -hmm. Revis was technically – uh, a, a, a supreme player. There was nothing yeah. Darrell Rivas couldn't do well, and he did it all well. Yeah. He had to do that as a complete football player. He might not have been the pure cover guy yeah. that Dion was, but he was not far from that. And it, it's it's laughable to even try to compare the two as far as, as being a, a, a complete player. He defended the run. You didn't run at Rivas either. You yeah. stayed away from Reed. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Like, well, if, if he got right. bored, he was just going to come after your right. quarterback. He could blitz. Revis did everything well. Right. Just a, a phenomenal player. Cornerback. Right. That's what he, I loved about Ed Reed as a safety. His instincts yep, were impeccable exactly. to go with his natural athleticism. His yeah, mind was Reed. great. What was great about Reed and that, that mind of his is really what yeah. stood out because yeah. he, he completely transformed himself as a player from the beginning of his career to mm-hmm. the end. Yep. He was like three different types of players. Yep. And I, I, I apologize because honestly now I'm going to be thinking Revis versus Reed for, for the rest of the day here. Yeah, I know. Both of them just phenomenal football players. But does that's what make that so in a much harder era to do it? See, that's the standout part of it. And again, look, and I said this the other day, and I, I I know we bring up the name. I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but it's an example. Artie Burns, you know, was and is a great great athlete. He's a great athlete, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. But he doesn't know how to play. Right? No. And unfortunately, that's part of the tr- that to me that's the biggest weakness of the NFL right now to me is yep. there's a high percentage of guys who are great athletes that don't know how to play. That's why when you see the great athletes that know how to play, we should be lauding them to the hills because they deserve it. They've, that, they're they, the total they package. Out. They're the Honestly, total package. It, it, it's a combination of them having all of that, being great players who continued to get great. They didn't just wake up one day as, as being awesome and, and gave up. And then from there, it's it's a combination of you have to to just fully accept that a large part of this is luck. You have to stay healthy, and there are plenty of just unlucky injuries that happen. But a, a, a good chunk of prevention of that is a skill as well. Keeping yourself conditioned, keeping yourself flexible, staying on top of your craft all the time, and that that's a guy like Donald. Yeah. Um, somebody like Burns could have been the, the greatest natural athlete sure. ever born. Absolutely. And he could have been extremely lucky, but you you're the NFL is littered 
with that level of talent and skill because, in my opinion, it didn't work out for him right away. He had to learn on the job. And from there, it, it takes into account. This is something that everybody that we mentioned before has in, in large quantity mental toughness yeah and I'm, I'm not trying to rip on Artie burns either no 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 he, he i know he's like a beating and i apologize I, mean, I apologize for for always bringing the name up but it's the one you think of right away you know, like he's he is the ultimate combine guy yeah yeah and he's a guy who tested well he had great yeah. measurements Maybe that maybe that made him a Doug Whaley All Star. I don't know. Let's ask him about EJ Manuel if we really want to get into it. <laughs> Only quarterback taken that year. He that traded up for him. Just cruel. I think he was. I think he was in. The, I think he was in the CFL faster than he was in the NFL. Cruel. But he it, Burns was a, a player at a marquee position yeah. who checked all the physical boxes. Yes. Who showed up on tape and and didn't humiliate right. himself. And we need cornerbacks, so you draft those guys up. You know, right. again, H- HWS scouting, that, right. that's all you're looking for. Uh, Burns stands out in that regard. Now, let's be fair. Um, if, if you take into account what a team's philosophy is when they're drafting, they're usually are not anywhere close to 32 prospects who meet all of their criteria to be a first-round pick. It's, it's there are like 18 15, of them. 15 to 20, yeah, right. Okay. Odds are excellent. Artie Burns was not one of them. Right. But when you're drafting at 25, you got to take somebody. <laughs> so yeah. if, if he met a second round bucket, it's like, look, we want to invest in this kid. We like his character. We feel we can work him through generally kind of a, a lack of experience. He didn't have great film and he didn't have a lot of film. Mm-hmm. He was a project. Yep. And oftentimes that's what you draft when you're drafting 25, yeah. a high ceiling guy. And if he works out great, you're super excited about it. it it's it, to get a guy like that at 25 you're very excited, but they are not typically going to be, well, he just fell through everybody else. Like, nobody had a first-round grade on him. But when there are only 18 guys, tall at 20, and there are 32 picks, not every team can trade out of the first round. They can't just boycott the first round. Somebody's got to draft somebody. So it, a guy like Burns is the, the prospect that they want to try to develop, and you're not going to hit on those every single time. And obviously it didn't work out, despite the fact, and we've talked about this, Artie Burns is still in the NFL. Yes, he is. Why? Because he's big and he's athletic. Yes. They're going to keep trying to get him work. Worst yep. case, he can play special teams. But every team needs five, if not six, cornerbacks nowadays with, the, with how deep mm-hmm. they go into the secondary. That's right. He's going to stay in the league. Yep. He's going to continue to get paid. We'll, we'll always talk about him as, as the guy who missed, but hey, he's, he's laughing all the way to the bank. He had himself a pretty nice career, all things considered. He got paid. And he's had to help out his family, I mean, which he's done. He's a good man. I mean, he's, you know, a lot of, I mean, he's had to help out his family, and he's done well with that. So, hey. You know what? He tried. I mean, it, it's, I know yeah. that sounds really preschoolish, and I'm not passing out participation trophies. He, he, he has not yeah. been a good NFL player. But no. the fact is, he showed up, he put the work in, it didn't work out. You, 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 don't, you can't insult the guy. You no. can't disrespect the guy. It doesn't work out for everybody. No. You know, it, it's a really hard league. That's, in my opinion, that's the toughest all-around position to play no um, and, and maintain success. Yep. It, you get a lot more of them in the league who just simply aren't good enough because you have to have a lot more of them. Um, it, it so a lot of these guys are are gambles guys that you have to take because yep. you need them on the field. Uh, this was I know this went a little bit longer, but I just thought it was a fascinating topic, and as usual, you hit it out of the park. So appreciate you very much, Neil. Thank you. Definitely. Thanks for having me, guys. 
All right, Neil Kulong, I know it went late. I understand that, but uh, it was a very interesting conversation. We could have sat there and talked about uh, the fantasy points Aaron Judge could get you, but we don't do that show. All right, here on uh, News Radio 1070 WK. Okay. Mm-hmm. When car repairs get difficult. Well, I, I just don't know. Um, me neither. We get good. Sunbury Motors. More than quality new and used cars, Sunbury Motors specializes in complicated auto repair diagnosis. They can handle intricate repairs and even complete auto body with service open Monday through Friday, 7 till 4. And Sunbury Motors has made simple repairs easy. Maintaining your vehicle is necessary. Finding the time to do it is difficult. Welcome to Sunbury Motors Quick Lane. Open 7 till 4, Monday through Friday. Just walk in or call ahead. Relax in their remodeled waiting room with Wi-Fi, beverages, and snacks. Will Sunbury Motors factory train techs take care of your oil change, tire alignments, brakes, and inspections. Quick Lane, 6.30 to 6, Monday through Friday, Saturday, 6.30 till 2. Sunbury Motors, Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury. And Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. We take the... Mm. Out of auto repair. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15, Elmo's Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, the best in new inventory. Remember all the great warranties that go with it. And maybe the budget says pre-owned inventory, which I understand completely. And we know budget's more important than ever. Well, you want to get a vehicle with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. So important. It's all at uh, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street and Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com alright you know we've got the service department routine inspections, diagnostics they handle it all it's been a ultra bitter day for Matt uh, then uh, then our, our board op today has chimed in with his personal bitterness, <laughs> a lot of hate out there today When you keep giving us these products, you know, this is what happens. And plus, we're disgruntled Sixers fans, too, watching the slop fest that is the Heat and the Celtics right now. But at least for me, the Yankees still have the best record in baseball, despite this little slump. Slump? They're not winning. Slump? Yeah. I'll call call right now. Now again, if if they if it no, continues the, tonight, the, think, then it comes think, to the unacceptable I the season, territory. I think I think the season's over. <laughs> oh my almighty! I mean, I mean, what's next? Somebody's going to say it's a 162 game season. Oh, that's right. That has been said. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> You know, that's one of the you know, it's one of the issues with I, I have with how sports is covered today, and then you know, it, it's all kidding aside on that. 
And the issue I have with how sports is covered today is he had a, you know, let's just pick one. He had a 460-foot home run. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Oh, you didn't win the game. Oh. Okay. To me, the headline is who wins. The subplot is then how did it play out. It's always going to be that way. Who wins, who loses. Then is there something else? So it goes back to the, the old uh, comment that Bob Euchre made years ago. Yeah, I hit a grand slam once. Yeah, it was in the eighth inning, made it 13-2. to two. Okay. Headline, Euchre hits grand slam. Great. They have to read to find out that you know, it made it 13-2, to two and it really was, in terms of a baseball play, awesome for him, but irrelevant in terms of the score. Brings us back to your guy, Stanton, who doesn't hit any home runs after the fourth inning. <laughs> Tell me I'm wrong. He's still having a good year. We just, need, we just need to shift some of that production to the later ratings. That's all. Like when the game's on the line? Okay, got it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm having fun at your expense. Now, the Celtic, the Celtics Heat series, the Warriors-Mavericks series, I mean, they're, they're bad. It's interesting. The Carolina and Rangers series, we'll see how that goes tonight. But every game's been closed, tight, down to the wire. Yeah, that's been a good series. Right, right. But that's been a bit, you know, and I haven't, and because it's on so late, I can't really get, I mean, I, it looks like Calgary and Edmonton is a really good series, but it's on at 10 o'clock at night. You're like, hey, hey. And it is getting to the point in my life where, okay, it's 12.15. I don't know if I can go any further. Oh, well. That's the way it is. At least for today, we've stayed away from name, image, and likeness. Although there was an interesting story from um, several sources dealing with the SEC meetings that are going on right now. And in the SEC meetings that are going on right now, they have discussed... Just in a, it sounds like it's one of those, let's see what ideas stick and don't stick, about having their own postseason tournament. And you know what's interesting about that? What name, image, and likeness does? This is what's really interesting. One of the arguments is... You can't ask the athletes to play more than they're playing now. Well, in name, image, and likeness, I don't think you should have any trouble asking the athletes to pay more. Their value goes up because there are more games, especially if they're bigger games. Right? See where I'm going with that, Matt? Totally agree. But this idea of having the SEC having its own playoffs is extremely dumb. Well, let's start with this uh, when it comes to this. And this is uh, interesting. Part of this is a reaction 
by Greg Sankey, who was on the, he was one of the four members of the committee uh, with uh, Craig Thompson, the commissioner of the Mountain West, Bob Bowlesby, the you know he's a soon to be ex former commissioner of the Big Twelve, and Jack Swarbrick, the Notre Dame athletic director. And when they were they were put together, what I thought was actually a well thought out twelve team playoff. They had to iron out some details. Well, you know, you know, how's the Rose Bowl fit into this, and and you know, and do you want to play home games, things like that. But the concept was really, really good. And of course, when Oklahoma and Georgia, uh, excuse me, when Oklahoma and Texas announced they were going to the SEC, it blew everything up. And you know, and then of course, panic set in. You know the the usual stuff where like bad lead, bad leadership is always the result of panic. Let's have an alliance. What, what are you doing? Huh? Who came up with this idea? I don't know. It's been very fruitful so far. For who? <laughs> Name one. Anyone? Yeah, I don't. I don't recall it being fruitful so far. It's all been like cosmetic. Uh, that's me. But. So now the SEC sitting there, they got more money than anybody, and the Big Ten's going to be right behind them in short order. We may be able to talk about that in a week to two weeks. All right. But they got to decide what they want to do here because there's never been, okay, there's never been less trust among the commissioners than there is now because of what happened a year ago. And extremely dumb? Guess what? Matt, when you're the king of the hill and you got more money than anybody, you can do anything you darn well please. I, I get that, but even let's let's add in the NIL reasons here. That this new dynamic. You're not gonna be a national champion. You're gonna be a glorified SEC champion. So you're gonna go from playing in so say if you're someone from Alabama and you got a good NIL deal. You're gonna go from playing in the SEC championship game and then everybody gets to play in a glorified conference chip. That makes no sense. How can you market that? And even if you win it, you're not a national champion. You're the how, national how, champion how of you, the SEC. I mean, that that's how, the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Except who's been winning a lot of these. I get it, but then, alright. You're it's still not, it's, you're I mean, still not I, a national I, champion. You're the I'm SEC saying, champion. I'm not for it, but if you play a chip like that, you may get other people to sit back and go, hey, whoa, we need to talk about some things and like be reasonable about it instead of always bringing your own agenda to the table. So I don't mind anybody playing a chip. They didn't say they were going to do it. They say they wanted to talk about it. You know? Think about how the suit runs staff meetings. All right, let's not. We'll come back with more in a moment here on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now, the SEC is looking at 40 different, literally, that's the number they said, 40 different ideas. This is one of them. 
Right? The last 16 national champions, 12 of the 16, have been from the SEC. Um, but he's but he's still mad about the way the college football playoff expansion talks collapsed earlier this year. He's been openly vocal about his displeasure. I'm talking about Greg Sankey. And he's he's kind of had enough with some of the other people. He says he said whatever collegiality existed among the five commissioners appears to be gone. And the bottom line is Greg Sankey of the SEC is in a catbird seat right now. Okay. And, and so, what do you do? I mean, if it comes down to this, then maybe it's time to say CFP experiment was fun while it lasted. We couldn't agree on how many teams to expand it to, and, and all the conferences just do their own thing. We may be at that point already, which is pretty sad, if you ask me. Well, Matt, I thought the 12-team proposal that those four men have put together, there are a lot of elements about it I liked. And when the Texas-Oklahoma thing happened, panic ensued. Absolutely. And as you know, what did I say the day it, it was announced? Don't let panic make your de- be the part Ex- of your decision making. Exactly. Yes. There's nothing to panic about. They're moving. So what? Guess what? Eight games are played on, on an SEC Saturday. Guess what you have? You have eight winners, and guess what else you have? Eight losers. Move on.